for joining us on our fifth podcast. Uh, I'm here at the Hatchery again with uh, Shelly Gupta from Bake It Box. As you can see from the website, uh, Bake It Box is a uh, website for ordering baking kits. So Shelly, could you maybe tell us a little bit more about Bake It Box and um, you know, just about the, maybe how it got started? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Bake It Box is a specialty baking kit service. We do culturally diverse baking kits. So you have everything included in your recipe box including a detailed recipe so you can bake from scratch without the headache of having to go and buy everything. Um, it started when um, my best friend Carla and myself, who's also my co-founder, um, we were doing a lot of cooking and baking during 2020 along everybody else. Um, but we would frequently sit on the phone or on video and kind of chat about what we wanted to make or what we were thinking about doing. And she was making this like huge cake for her husband's birthday. And I was going to be at that birthday party. So I was kind of along the journey with her. And we just started to realize that like, there's so many, you know, resources online. There's like hundreds of thousands of baking blogs and people's opinions. Like you just don't know where to go to when you're starting from scratch. Um, so we spent a lot of time trying to find a right, the right recipe. And then we spent a lot of time well, she did going and buying all the ingredients and her cart size was like, ridiculous. I think she spent 80 bucks and we just realized we're like, why isn't there anything easy? Like you want to just find a really good, delicious recipe and just bake one time or, you know, every few months. Um, and we just established that there hasn't been any innovation in baking in over a hundred years. The, I'm sure the first thing you think of with easy baking, Betty Crocker. Right. And that was started in 1921 when, you know, everyone's pain points were very different than they are today. So we actually like immediately thought of this idea. We jumped online. We kind of like, you know, didn't do our day jobs that day. <laughs> and we spent a lot of time just researching what's out there for baking. And really there hasn't been anything. So we started Bake It Box. Um, we focus on culturally diverse bakes because, you know, we live in a world where we want more access to different cuisines. Um, so we've been in market now for a year and it's been really exciting. That's awesome. Um, I want to give a little shout out to Shelly because she, she and Jordan uh, together uh, helped us test our machine for the first time. The machines that, that make awesome. the packets for, for of sauce. Uh, the first thing that we actually did was oil for you guys. Yep. And that was, I mean, you know, Jordan was uh, very helpful for us. He's great. That all set up. So uh, I appreciate you guys for doing that. Um, yeah, and one of the things, you know, when you talk about the, the baking boxes is a lot of people generally tend to have a lot of waste yes. because they buy a lot of ingredients, but they're only using it like for one or two. The other thing that also struck me, you know, about the, the whole the concept of baking box is baking box is that um, a lot of people don't measure their ingredients properly. So mm -hmm. if you use a certain cup size or you don't like, you know, uh, what do you call it? Um, right. You know, even it out, even it out yep. properly, you're getting too much of one ingredient and that affects, you know, I, I got into sourdough uh, baking like everybody else. You know, yep. yeah. <laughs> you know that's, that's the big issue is that if you, if you switch that, um, that ratio, the exactly. final product, the end product just comes out wrong. So. Exactly. I mean, baking is truly a science, right? It's a very artistic science. So we, we try and mitigate that. We do everything by weight. We work with a pastry chef here in Chicago who's fantastic. So, you know, we want to be able to give you the ability to bake from scratch mm. with very detailed instructions. Like we make them super user friendly. Right. There's no baking terms, nothing you'll need to Google mm. on the side. Um, but to your point, it's very, it is easy to mess up. So, People are intimidated by baking, and I understand why, because it is easy to mess up, but um, we remove those barriers so that you can walk into the kitchen, 
pour everything out of the bags and just start baking. And what I love about because we spoke with uh, Olivia from uh, Cavnia Coffee, yeah. and it was very similar, which is I feel like you guys are an entryway, a portal for people to access, you know, baking and, and to to enjoy that that art, right? The same thing as coffee. Um, what we talked about with uh, Cavnia is that you know usually you try to get those like tasting notes, and you can't because it takes right. a lot of you know a lot of skill to do all that. You guys make it accessible so that people can get into that, you know, whether it's coffee or or, or baking. Um, so that's really cool. Um, kind of what we wanted to go into a little bit more, dig into a little bit, is this whole concept of us being, um, you know, living life and being founders. I think a lot of times, um, as we spoke about, whether that's, you know, um, VCs or specifically other startup, you know, other people in the startup ecosystem, you know, white Combinator, et cetera, a lot of them speak to the experience of being a founder straight out of college young person with very little, uh, you know, other ties, um, uh, very little other commitments, but all of us are real people. We yep, have commitments, we have passions, and, you know, sometimes that's not spoken about very openly. Uh, we spoke about, like, you know, I, you know, your co-founder and, and I have kids, and, you know, we have to go pick them up from school, and, you know, this interrupts our, our general flow of, of life, and I don't think VCs really quite get that. Um, so maybe, you know, if you could kind of speak from your experience about that, uh, you come from a consulting background, so no, they come from a banking background. Both of us come from areas where being, uh, shall we say, not like everybody else is, <laughs> uh, is difficult. So, uh, you know, if you could speak a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I think, so I come from consulting, as does my co-founder, actually. And, um, you know, you're, you're taught to there's no work-life balance, in my opinion, um, and at least in your early early years in consulting. So that was already really, really tricky in itself. It was hard to find that balance. Um, but also, you're you know you get to a point where you need to incorporate that, which is why there's a lot of turnover in consulting and I think in baking. Um, so I think what's tricky is, to your point, traditionally or historically, founders were typically younger people that had the ability to kind of continue to live life like a student. Um, you get into your mid thirties or late thirties into your forties. You can't do that. <laughs> you just can't. You've got like, yes, to your point, you have other obligations. You've got dependents. Um, so I think that's a really, it's really tricky. And I think as a female minority, it gets even harder because there are other, you know, uh, requirements of you in the world. Um, and I can speak for my co-founder a little bit just cause she has kids. I do not yet. Um, and it makes it really hard. It makes it hard to, you know, find the balance between being able to support those dependents mm -hmm. and still work on your passion, especially when you see huge, huge, you know, vision for what you're trying to build. And we do. And, you know, it was a really hard decision for me and Carla to um, decide, like, we started off as companies both in our full-time jobs. And then we hit a point where you know, we had this talk about, okay, if I, what does it mean if I leave and take over for a while until you can, mm. and just being, you have to be so supportive of each other as co-founders too, to say like, okay, I trust you to do this. Um, and there might be a point in time when that switches because, you know, our obligations will change. So I, it's a hard story to tell though. Yes, absolutely. And I, and I find the same thing too, when I talk to VCs and I tell them that I'm you know, uh, a solo founder in a sense, because my co-founder, you know, my wife has a job. Yeah. Similar to you, it's always that like, well, why aren't you both committed to this? Well, 
we have kids, we have a mortgage. <laughs> right. To pay that, right? Like, right. The, the bank doesn't give you a holiday because you're start doing a startup. Um, <laughs> this is like, it's life and it's okay to have life while we're, while we're being founders too. And then, um, you know, and have passions. That's another thing, which is, I think there's an implication that when you're a startup, that's startup is life and that's it. You, you've got no other things that sort of drive you other than this one thing, uh, which we're doing. But I don't think that's true for you. Maybe you can speak a little bit about uh, guitar, guitars over guns. That uh, oh yeah, and how you came to that. Yeah, um, I I agree with you. I think like I think people that are more well rounded too are gonna be better mm-hmm. founders and get better at their jobs. Um, so I a few years ago started or started an affiliate program, but I'll just talk about the parent for a second. Uh, guitars over guns. Mm-hmm. It's a nonprofit organization here in Chicago and in Miami. And they uh, run middle school programs for um, underserved communities, specifically in training in music. Um, there's different music theory, po- like poetry. Uh, there's all sorts of different functions, essentially. Um, but it's really an amazing program. They focus on middle school age where they're the most impressionable. And um, it's during that time when they're unsupervised. Um, so I was asked to... Uh, interview and go through the whole process of potentially running this affiliate program called rise, which stands for reach, inspire, support, empower. And it's to, once those students graduate from their middle schools and they kind of go off to all these different high schools, they're just kind of left on their own to, and you know, they may not have someone in the household that has gone through the high school experience or the college experience. So we pair them with mentors um, in the Chicago area from many different career paths. Um, just to have a sounding board and we do some tutoring with them. We've taken them to different sites in Chicago just to hang out and get to know them. And, um, this was inspired. I think this is a really cool story by two students that were so smart, so phenomenal. I believe they're in the Miami program, but I'm not sure. Um, and they got into a fantastic university, the Berkeley school of music, and there was no one to help them go through all the applications and all the, you know, forms and they missed a couple of forms and they couldn't go. They missed their financial aid form. And so guitars over guns as an organization was like, we feel kind of responsible. Like why? Like we should have been able to help them. So that's how rise was formed. So I'm the president of rise. Um, I've been with them since 2018. Um, I work closely with the parent organization. And then we also recruit a bunch of board members, mentors, um, but it's, it's an awesome organization. I think it's so important to give back. And uh, for me personally as well, I come from a music background. So I just think it's really a beautiful thing to do, especially for the younger generation. And just to encourage you, I think that's one thing that I've learned in my journey is that being one dimensional is kind of boring. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's very important that we're a whole people and that for we sure. have passions and that we follow those passions and we don't make you know, uh, our work, our life. That's, I, I don't think that's sustainable long term. It's the difference between like, you know, burning out very quickly and building something versus having a long term sustainable kind of plan for how do we do it. And I think that's also very relevant to people who are listening who may be in careers too. Because sometimes I think that happens where your career takes over your whole life. Yeah. And you can't fuel your um, career if you are burnt out yourself. And so it's very important for all of us, I think, to find something that we really passionately believe in and invest ourselves into something, into that. So yes, you can't give 110% of your, uh, of yourself to your business, 
it may only be 50%, but that other 50% is life, you know, kids and, and you know, uh, and passions that kind of help drive you to make it more useful kind. But, um, you know, growing up in, uh, in Toronto, is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, as an Indian, um, you know, is there anything that you would want to share with us about your experience of like, you know, the, your whole career, right? Going from uh, consulting into this business. Um, what's been like something that kind of kept you going during those periods and what's some, maybe some um, roadblock that you faced along the way? Yeah. Great question. Um, so funny enough, I think music was mm. a big part of my, what helped me keep going and which is why I connected so much with the organization. Um, because I, I grew up vocally, like I trained as a kid and I, I was singing for a long time. So that actually was a lot of my driving factor. Um, and I come from, I'm first generation Canadian. So I guess I'm kind of an immigrant here. <laughs> Doesn't feel that way though, but um, so my parents are very, uh, very, very, what's the word? Um, they are, they, they, they believe very highly in education. So they pushed all of us, me and my siblings to, um, you know, get a degree and kind of figure out what we want to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, that was helpful because, uh, I think there are many times where I was trying to maybe pursue music or go in a more artistic direction, but I'm actually really glad I, I got a business degree in Toronto before moving to Chicago to do my master's. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's a ton of roadblocks. I think, you know, as a kid, you know, choosing your major, first of all, at 16 or whatever age right. it is, like, you have no idea what you want. I still sometimes don't know exactly what I want. Right. So um, I leaned a lot on my family for those, mm-hmm. for those uh, just guidance of like, what should I do? How do I keep doors open? Mm-hmm. And um, I went into business kind of for that reason, because I'm like, I don't know what I want to do. I just need skills right. that can translate to something later. I didn't know I would be an entrepreneur when I was 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really helpful for me. My dad's actually an entrepreneur as well. So it, oh, it, okay. it was something, I think it's definitely in my blood. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was something that was felt like it could be achievable as I started to figure out a little bit more about where my skills were. Yeah. Um, but I think another challenge was moving here and, dealing with, you know, a change of country. Culturally, it's very similar, but there are a lot of things yeah. that make it difficult. Mm-hmm. You probably have seen a lot of that more than me, but, um, you know, it's hard to get a job when you're not a citizen and it's hard to get sponsorship and it's hard to, you know, do a lot of different things when you're here on not as a citizen or not right. as a resident. Right. So uh, I definitely faced a lot of that. Sometimes I still do, but when you see an opportunity, you just got to go for it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know we're coming to the end of our time, but I think there was a, there was a very important nugget there for those that are um, still unsure of what to do with their lives. It's okay, right? It's, it's okay. It's so okay. You'll it's, figure it out. <laughs> it is. Life is a, a series of twists and turns, and you never know when that's going to come. And so for us to try and and, and it, what you said is very true. You know, we expect kids at like 16 and 17 to know what the rest of their lives are going to look like. Come on. And like, no, I had no clue. When I got sure. it. Um, but I think that's the messaging to them is that you have to know, right? Because you have to pick a major. Right. And maybe, maybe we don't pay enough attention to kind of that liberal arts kind of education so that you can figure out what it is that you want to do. Um, and gap years. I don't think that's very common here in the U.S., but I think that's something we should you know, probably be doing more also that people can figure out what their passions are, what they, you know, what drives them. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's very important for us all 
whether you're in a career or whether you're doing business, to recognize that you know we are not the final versions of who we are Absolutely going to be. Absolutely not. We're just every brick, right? Every brick along the way. Right. And we shouldn't be. We should never be. We should always be working towards something. Yes. Always trying to improve ourselves and improve our business too as well, which has gone off the screen. (laughs) Um, Shelly, I appreciate you. I I really uh, thank you for the conversation uh, today. And uh, hopefully, again, like, you know, hopefully we can have uh, more conversations like this as we we grow. And I'm looking forward to the outcome of some of your um, fundraising as well. I'm, uh, we are we're expecting and, and hoping for the best things for you, for you and Vacant Box. Uh, we did order a kit, so everyone who's listening, go order a kit so that you can actually <laughs> try it out yourself and see what we're talking about. Um, but I appreciate you coming and, and taking the time out to talk to us. Today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Okay, it's our pleasure. All right, Shelly. <laughs> thank you so much, everyone.